Welcome to the Building the Smart Estate podcast series. My name is Georgina Marathetis and I'm the Associate Director for Local Public Services at Tech UK. Now, in the lead up to Tech UK's flagship public sector conference, Building the Smart Estate, which is taking place on the 27th of September, we are pleased to be partnering with KPMG to deliver a series of podcasts looking at the key enablers of the Smart Estate. So in the first two episodes in this series, we explored how industry and the public sector can collaborate to address the difficult yet important issues of legacy IT and the digital skills gap. In this latest episode, we discuss how public services can maximise the value of data and its role in the smarter state. Now, I'm really pleased to have two special guests join me. We have Charles Baird, who is the Chief Data Architect at the Office for National Statistics, and Adrian Harvey, who's partner Data Analytics at KPMG. Firstly, Charles, thank you so much for being here. Um, could you tell us a bit more about kind of you, your role, um, and also, I guess, the role of the Office for National Statistics in data? Sure. Uh, hi, Georgina. Thanks for having me. Uh, so, as you say, I'm Charles Baird. I'm the Chief Data Architect at uh, ONS. Um, my team um, is quite broad. It's got quite a lot of responsibilities, but we look at both data architecture, classical data architecture, so data design, metadata mo- management, that kind of thing for both ONS and increasingly taking a cross-government role in terms of uh, things like the integrated data service, uh, which we uh, manage the data for if you like um, so that integrated data service is uh, a cross-government platform that ONS is the lead delivery partner on so my team are very much involved in the uh, design of that from a data perspective um, and looking to effectively standardize um, both how we uh, communicate about data so metadata and how we deliver data in a in a let's say semi-standardized way to make that easier across government um not so much trying to um necessarily enforce those standards as work with partners across government to understand where we can standardize and what will make overheads easier for that kind of data sharing thing i think we'll talk about that in a bit more detail later Uh, so that's part of uh, my job the other part a big part is data linkage so um lots of uh lots of data analysis data science is basically built on joining data together, of course. Um, lots of people in my team work on improving that, well, delivering it as is and improving it in future. So um, we spend quite a lot of time on that. Uh, and again, it's about working in partnership with other government organisations to try and understand how we can do that effectively. Uh, the f- final, I guess, one more thing about this is that we see ourselves working in partnership, especially with um, the central uh digital and data office in the cabinet office as being as taking the lead in the kind of cross-government data communities so uh i co-chair gdac the government data architect community um we've got various um data exchange communities around that we're so we're trying to foster a kind of cross-government uh group of people who are thinking about this stuff and sharing best practice so you do a lot and so does the ONS in this era. Fantastic. And um, yeah, really good to hear about those forums and I guess that kind of that opportunity to to partner and collaborate as well with um, others. And I guess talking about, you know, collaboration and, you know, an important piece within that 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 data puzzle and ecosystem is industry. So it's great to have you um, with us, Adrian. Um as well to 
you know give that industry perspective but firstly it'd be great to hear a bit more about kind of you your role um and i guess kpmgs and um, within this kind of broader digital and data transformation yes uh, yeah thanks so much for inviting me it's uh, always good to join the sessions and uh, you know for me at the moment it's a really exciting time to be somebody involved in data um, being at the forefront of you know delivering and developing some of these new concepts within industry and government um so in, in kpmg my role uh, is kind of a data sme but more broadly i look after um the lighthouse which is kpmg's kind of approach to data analytics and all things ai um, but the reason we created it was to create a common um, sort of brand and working model across all of the member firms globally and you know just like any large organization the complexity of sharing data and and sharing concepts around data is really important so the lighthouse enables us to to build and develop those concepts um as a as, let's say a community of of great data scientists and data engineers, um, but then focus on our own industry areas and own industry problems. For myself and for my sins, I've spent the last sort of six, seven years working in financial crime and building sort of large operational centers uh, across the world um, for assessing banks and, and insurance firms, financial crime risk. And we treat that as a data problem. Um, although uh, yeah, these centres have hundreds and thousands of people working on the problem. Um, the reality is that data is always the key to to making and solving those those problems and making things work in that space. And AI is really presenting you know, great new opportunities to to drive efficiency, and and that's you know for the economy and and the wider industry. That's the general uh, direction of travel. So, for KPMG, it's really about investing in that innovation and uh, really kind of trying to build out those reusable assets that work across industry, across government and uh, across all the different domains that we operate within. Um, but we'll talk a bit more about that as we go through today. Fantastic. Thank you for that, Adrian. Thank you. Um, we definitely have the right get of lots of um, experience um, and insights um, on our topic today. So. I think to kick us off, it'll be good to get your thoughts on what does a data-driven smarter state look like to you? And also for those listening, um, back in June, we actually held a workshop with public sector um, and industry on, you know, how do we live, deliver the data-driven smart state? And there was a discussion of, you know, should it be driven or should it be supported? So um, it'll be great to kind of get your thoughts on this um, as well. So appreciate asking for your vision, but, you know, should it even be a data-driven smart state? If I can go to you, Charles, and then Adrian. So I think, uh, you know, I'm not going to quibble too much with the, the phrase data driven. I think, uh, you know, ONS's remit is to provide lots of different uh, data and information to drive decision making. You know, we uh, at the moment you're seeing ONS figures coming out daily that's driving the, the news narrative a lot of the time about inflation or about cost of living or whatever. You know, this stuff is 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 the data that we need, the information we need of the data to make decisions. I think. I'm, you know, I'm just a, a, a humble data architect, right? So my job is effectively just to, to get the data in front of the people who can stop using it for analysis and to make and, to, and then present that analysis for, for decision making. So from my perspective, 
what we need to improve here is is the, the pipeline. How do you get data, the right data, from uh, where it's where it's being gathered by departments or by um, industry and process it in such a way that it can be used for analysis and push on. You know, it's, it's we tend to think of it as being, a, oh, just give us the data and we'll we'll do these outputs. But actually, quite a lot of work goes into into the the creation of that to make sure that people can use it effectively and get the. And you know, we have a real focus on quality at ONS that some of that starts in that pipeline which is how do you how do you reassure people about the quality of the output some of it is about the quality of the data you're ingesting and the quality of the the transformation that's done to that so uh you know this is a bit of a waffly answer without giving any conclusion but i think it is it is generally from my perspective about improving you know in partnership with with other government departments with external suppliers of data I see part of my job as being how can you start to smooth that process? How can you make it so that there's less overhead for uh, our teams when we're ingesting data and making it available for people so that so that analysts downstream can have less work to understand what this data is suitable for, where if there are gaps, if there are if there are things that need to be taken into account in the analysis, all of this stuff could be tends to be quite manual at the moment. And I, I think we're it's we're a long way away from it being anything other than and than than at least some point manual but we could be a, little, a lot more standardized you know if you're looking at quality metrics for instance or metadata that if we presented it in a standardized way so that the users can understand it that's going to that's going to really help so uh i'm ex gds and cddo so i obviously always talk about being driven by user needs but in this case we've got quite an obvious one yeah how can we show how can we test this with users and make sure that what we are doing is making it easier for them to consume data Asset, yeah, so yeah, creating a seamless experience for for for, uh, for the citizens as part of that data-driven smart estate. Absolutely, thank you, Charles and Adrian. Good to get your thoughts. Yeah, for me, I mean, when you, I suppose, when you explore the phrase a smart estate, well, what does it mean to be smarter? It means that you've got more access to more information to make better decisions. And I think, from my perspective, every time whether it's within government or whether it's across industry, when I look at the decision makers or the people who are looking to generate value for the economy, they don't have access to data. Um, and if they have the foresight to try and get access to data, that's not an easy journey for them. And the reality is, is we spend so much time as individuals, you know, entering data, creating data, you know, that's that's what the world has become. But we get very little of that back um, through, you know, the relationship we have with government and the relationship we have with it with business. So for me, you know, the, whether it's enabled, supported um, or powered by, you know, the reality is, is changing the concept around data so that, you know, the relationship you have with providing and then getting the value back from data should be a key part of, uh, you know, our organisational strategy and, and our, you know, market and economic strategy for, for the UK. The the movement that and the strategy that the government's put in place on paper reads perfectly, you know, the, the idea that government will really bring data together and then provide it as a service into industry and into the market and back into the public that sounds like the perfect model the reality and you know and i'm sure charles battles with this day to day is that 
organizationally and and from a policy perspective we're still set up to control and secure and and make it very difficult to access data um so moving data to become a service that there is a contract and a policy and a legal relationship between those that want access to it and those that have it will be really important to make this a much easier you know standardized approach to accessing data for all and i think when we start to see data as as a uh, an asset and has value and it can be you know commercialized not necessarily for profit but for the the actual use and, and maintenance and management of data then i think that's when we'll start to see a change in how we access and, and create the smarter state um, and some parts of the government are already you know operating in that way you know you see services like you know, the national statistics and companies house where data is shared freely um putting more of a a standard approach to that across government will, will be really powerful and, and really help industry and and, and the wider you know let's say public value uh, to be generated so yeah really excited but it, it's something that uh, it's going to take a lot of effort and a lot of standardised policies and standards to to kind of permeate across government and industry to make this work. That's it. No, um, both great visions and no pressure. Both we're now we're talking about you know how do we make that a reality. So on your shoulders, like how do how do we make the smarter state vision a reality? So I think it would be good to interrogate and dig into a bit more in terms of around kind of that that standard and and, and culture um piece i guess actually i think you know are they both interlinked as well so kind of reflecting back on um some of the other discussions we've had around um the smarter state both from kind of legacy it or when it comes to skills things are still very much siloed so i guess Where's the opportunity for for data using data to redesign services where data will actually be aligned and standardised across new systems and services to prevent that siloed working and enable better digital transformation? So, Charles, it's great to hear already. You know, there are things in place um, to enable you know partners across government to come together. But yeah, it'd be great to to get your thoughts in terms of that kind of redesign. Sure. And I think, you know, I, I completely agree with uh, what Adrian said just now about um, the kind of opportunities and books. I mean, and we need to be aware that a lot of the what we as data people trying to enable the flow, the blockers are there in place for a really good reason. Right. You know, these tend to be around privacy or ethics or legality, all of which is there to protect people and to and to make this work better rather than, you know, uh, uh, not not just to get in the way of us sharing data. So I think. Um, there's an element of, uh, and I thought it was really useful as well, that Adrian brought out the idea of data contracts, that we can start to get into this, this standardised notion of here is how we expect to supply data, here's the format we expect to supply it in, and here's how you, we can measure that over time. You know, and, and finding a way to do that, again, in a standardised way so that you know you're not reinventing the wheel every time you just try and start up one of these relationships. I think there's lots of good work happening um, to try and get out of those silos, to think about a way to to create some hubs, if you like, in the centre of government. So um, CDDO, colleagues, ex-colleagues of mine at CDDO are working on the data marketplace, government data marketplace, which promises to be a place to go and find data, you know, not necessarily access it, but find what's available out there and how you can maybe start the conversation around getting access to it in a centralised way. So you moving away from this point-to-point -point 
you know, so and so HMRC have got X data or DWP have got Y data. Let me go to them and and say, can I have that? And then we'll wait to instead of having a centralized place where people can come and say what's available, and then you know what conditions will I need to to um, accept to be able to access it. The thing we're building the integrated data service has got a similar kind of remit in terms of starting to bring together analytical and uh, analytically prepared data, if you like, ready from across government into a into a central hub, so that it's ready for use and people can again rather than having to I say people accredited users can uh, can find this stuff and then be able to to run their analysis of it again in that kind of that's, you know, it's a there's a danger it's more of a hub than a kind of centralization you know what we want to do effectively is allow federated querying of data so come into one place and we can allow the ability to ask questions across lots of different data sets held in lots of different places now that's technically difficult and you know we're very much pushing at the art of the possible in terms of what we can do there but that's very much the goal how do you bring these things in together to make it easier to find and more more consistent to ask questions of so that you can uh, you can understand the answers a little bit quicker is there anything you wanted to add adrian yeah i mean you, you know the problem statement around legacy it and legacy technology i mean after it's built, everything's legacy. And yeah, there's a constant changing shift in the standards and the innovations that exist both in data and in how how data flows through, you know, the economy and the industry and into government and out of government. And I think the problem with a lot of IT and a lot of technology is it's very brittle. It you know, as soon as something changes, whether it's you know the format of the data, whether it's you know the definition of the data, there's so much investment in legacy IT to make it work with all of the you know, the previous versions and standards and all that sort of stuff. And things are changing, and I think AI, yeah, we'll talk a bit about AI, I think, in a little bit. But things are changing in terms of how systems can consume and interact with data, and how data transforms with itself as it flows. Those are really going to make a big difference to you know our ability to to share data across departments, across different parts of government and into industry. And I think you know we've got to move away from this concept of poor data quality, and you know it's always got to be fixed before it's shared, and, and move to a you know if data has value, and it's about people being able to do something with data in the environment that exists today hopefully things like ai and some of the web3 technologies that that are starting to emerge are going to make a big difference to how that will work um, but that's going to take time so you know we will be able to build these services the technology exists today to enable that you know the, the cost of doing that is much lower um, the ability to consume and process data is much easier now at scale so Things are changing to enable that, but I think that next step of really how do you how do you make data work across varying technologies and estates and legacy environments that's that's one of the challenges that is going to change now with with the advantage of AI and and, and things like quantum and other other new technologies. Um, I think secondly, you know, we've we've talked about those data services, and you know, um, I probably I probably made it sound a little bit too much like uh, there was there were a lot of barriers to access to data, but those barriers are there for the re re right reasons. But you know, there's a lot of activity at the moment in industry. You know, people like Google and Apple went to war over advertising, uh, and you know, there was a huge shift in how 
people's information is shared across their activity on the web. All of these changes is uh, bringing to light new technologies and new approaches to you know making things secure and putting the power and the control of your of the data back into the individual. So that will permeate into government and into you know the data sets that uh, come from you know our tax activity and our interactions with social services and you know DVLA and companies house all these sorts of things actually the metadata and the the governance and control needs to exist with the data as it flows and moves around those are new concepts and and industry is driving a lot of the thinking but government in this space will will not be far behind so so i think those are going to be things that really make a difference to to how how this develops over time if i can just pick up on your point on um ai more i guess specifically generative ai obviously you know there's been that rapid growth in popularity in terms of you know citizens day to day or you know using it that you know may not necessarily be using kind of maximizing their kind of technology within their organization but very familiar with kind of generative ai has that resulted in the kind of shift and approach to you know data you also mentioned about in terms of the value that we put on data you know is you know is it a positive oh for me it's i mean all all new technology give or take is a huge positive (laughs) um I kind of like to think of it like the evolution um, that we went through many years ago where we went from, you know, a calculator to Excel. You know, people suddenly had the power to consume at the time large data sets, you know, 20,000 data points uh, in an Excel spreadsheet. You know, you could run a business, you could do the finances. It, It really gave the power of data to the individual. And then obviously, <laughs> over many years, that scale just escalated and exponentially grew. And the power of access to data left the individual and went back into, well, not back into, but to technology. What generative AI is really doing is is bringing that power back to the individual. You know, for people with very little to no technology skills, they can go and query huge data sets. Now, what they can't do is figure out whether they're getting the right answer or whether the quality and the control of the data is providing them you know something that they can rely on and that's where the fear is in industry um however you know it's a new technology that will change over time so really generative ai is going to open the door for for yeah and, and level the playing field for everybody to do great things with data and make better decisions and get more value so so that's really exciting but there's a journey to go on to to achieve that i think you know generative ai what's been what's been the differentiating let's say approach compared to some other new technologies let's say um things like bitcoin and and some of those kind of technologies is how easy it is for everybody to interact with it but the reality is that behind that, still building these models and, and developing that type te- of technology is going to require significant changes in in or development of our skill in the UK. You know, so we need to continue to invest in the space to to really enable this type of technology to function within government and, and industry. Um, just being able to access a, a chat interface is great, but that's that's just a small tiny part of the problem statement behind that is massive data environments with you know data flow and and pipelines being built to connect all of this stuff together that's still where the game's going to be won and lost so you know yeah 
it's a very exciting space, but there's a huge amount of work to, to get the most out of it for, for organisations. Absolutely. On that point of culture and people, um, Charles, it'd be great to get your thoughts in terms of, you know, how do we create that culture of safe and effective data sharing? Yeah, that's an easy one. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, there, there's two things. One is, one is um, the showing the benefits, right? It's, it's the, the typical thing that, you know, as, as we've said a couple of times, you know, there are some, there are some uh, uh, blocks to data sharing, which are perfectly, which are there for really good reasons. You know, there, there is a reason why we don't just share data, personal data about people willy-nilly, and we absolutely need to remain focused on that. Um, a lot of the time, we have to make a case for, you know, what are the benefits to doing that in a safe way? You know, that, that bit should always be there. Sometimes we need to say it more more definitely out loud. But how do we how do we persuade people of the benefits of sharing this stuff in the, in the day? Well, what is it that this can do? And I think actually, you know, to Adrian's point just now about, about the benefits of AI, that in some ways, this kind of shift to understanding that these these uh, insight systems, if you like, are built on big data, makes it a bit easier to be able to say, look, this is where, if we can start doing this in a safe way, this is how we, this is the kind of thing we could look to get out of it. And I think there's some, there's some work for those of us who are involved in the kind of plumbing of it to make it clear, this is what the benefit is of doing this. I think there's also, there's a, there is a, a kind of skills and culture shift as well here, which is that we are, we are coming from a world where the, operational systems if you like and the, and the analysis that's done on that because that is generally what we're talking about when we talk about data driven it's how do you do analysis on stuff that's coming off production systems or has been gathered by uh surveys or whatever and then and then to, those things have historically been really separate right you know my background's in running big operational systems and it's every now and again someone will ask you for a report or ask you for a data extract that they can then go off and start running queries on and i think starting to starting to normalize a conversation between those two areas where you can explain to to um operational staff or oper people running operational systems how that they how they can make their own lives easier by having kind of data exhaust or data contracts where you can say look here's how we put something in place to put this out but normalizing that conversation is really important and normalizing that as a it as a an industry if you like rather than being it's just byproducts of various different bits I think one of the things that I'm most proud of in government that we've done over the last couple of years is really develop the um, the data community. So there's a um, I talked about the various cross cross government data communities. There are data engineering, all sorts. There's a there's coming up at the end of next month. In fact, to give it a little plug, is the Data Connect conference, um, which is run out of CDDO and ONS, uh, which brings together. You know, his, it has been a really big and slightly shocking to some people's success in terms of the number of people who are interested in getting into the nuts and bolts of how do we do better data management? How do we make these things work better? So I think that there's a real appetite for people to, to you know, uplift skills, to have those in, have those conversations. I think it's the job of those of us who sit in the centre to, to kind of enable those conversations and then, fingers crossed, reap the benefits of them because people start to, to change their mindsets a little bit. Absolutely. Thanks, Charles, and for that kind of, yeah, best practice. Um, Adrian wanted to ask you in terms of the role that you see industry playing kind of now and, and, and in the 
future the effective use of data to support a smarter state and please you know if you've got any additional kind of good examples to share or signpost that would be great yeah i mean it's always a difficult with industry because obviously their finance is financially driven uh, and the balance between you know making everybody more efficient and effective versus you know creating market leading solutions and, and gaining market share is always going to be a bit of a conflict um but you, you know where where we see organizations as part of a large supply chain you know manufacturing and retail and you know and supermarkets are a great example you you see the opportunity to really share data um across industry uh for the for let's say the benefit of of the public and and the wider economy but that will always happen within those like silos or or uh, organizational structures that benefit each other where you see drivers for uh, industry and, and government to collaborate is really where there's a wider a public need so things like financial crime you know the government's doing a huge amount of work with the banking industry to share data to to help you know, reduce fraud, um, reduce money laundering, and, and protect you know the public's interest. Those are the opportunities really to 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 make data sharing work and to drive standards and, and an approach. Because to do it for economic benefit, there's there's always going to be a conflict of interest. However, the standards and the approach that come out of those more you know um, positive movements will will benefit and and support those other more economic based um, use cases and I think yeah we're going to see more and more of that as as we go and you know as things like generative AI you know AI kind of really pushes the government to come up with new policies and, and standards and approaches to managing and sharing data um, all of this is going going to permeate right across all of the domains and all of the spaces but yeah it, I think for me, the, there are still big, big challenges and, you know, and we are a global society these days and, you know, we've got to try and make that work, not just across the UK, but, you know, into Europe and, and then wider. So all of these things are, are going to take time, but the technology will push us forward. So, yeah, it's all, all quite positive. Fantastic. And I think on that note, I think we have to end on a, on a positive. And <laughs> thank you so much, Charles and Adrian, for your excellent insight it's been a really rich discussion um today and yeah great to have you on this tech uk building the smarter state podcast series thank you very much thank you so this has been the building the smarter state podcast series by tech uk in collaboration with kpmg thank you for listening